Uh, today we'll be discussing the topic of folk Islam. And my name is Tony Weeder. I was born and raised in Liberia. Liberia is in West Africa. Uh, grew up as a Muslim in the era of folk Islam. And so today we'll be talking about that. Um, I'll be using a lot of proverbs because whether you are in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, South Africa, Cairo, Egypt, uh, Nigeria, uh, uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, all these places, we love to speak in proverbs. And so I'll be using a lot of that and telling you stories to communicate the truth of folk Islam. Whether you were born in Liberia or Togo, whether you were born in Ethiopia, or born in South Africa, or you're born in Bangladesh. The fear of the unknown world has driven a lot of people, about 70% of Islam, to worship the unknown spirit world. And that's what we'll be discussing. A story is told about a young man who read an ad uh, in a newspaper about a job at a zoo. So he decided to investigate he went there and the job description was to come once or twice a week, dress like a gorilla, behave like one, and dance like one. And when this happened, every day he would come, make his money, dress like one, leap, eat like a gorilla, until the first grade class came, fed him lots of bananas. And the kids started screaming, hey, do us some tricks. And he started leaping from branch to branch. Uh, the last leaping he did, he landed in the lion's den and started screaming, help, help, help. And the lion turned to him and screamed, said, shut up, or else we're going to lose our jobs. Life is like that at times. The people you turn to for help, they are also looking for help. And that is folk Islam, the fear of the unknown world. But the church today, especially the church in the West, be it America, Western Europe, uh, Canada have forgotten. Uh, the French philosopher Bliss Pascal even put it much better. He said, God made us in his image. We are now returning that favor of making him in our own image and likeness. And folk Islam is no different from that. When the church started in America or in Jerusalem, says Bruce Shelley, he says that the church started in Jerusalem as a fellowship and then decided to go to Greece, where it became a philosophy. After spending some time in Greece, it moved to Rome, and the, the church became an institution absolutely powerless. And went to Europe, it became a culture. That's all they had. And then after spending some time in Europe, it came to America, where it became an enterprise. And there where the church is today. We have become very scientific in our worldview thereby the supernatural is slowly disappearing in a culture where pluralistic concept of religion and religion tend to become very private. And once religion become private, the supernatural disappear. And therefore, many in the West don't even believe that there's uh, a creature called Satan or the devil. And whereas Satan have convinced us be it in East Africa or West Africa or Central Africa, Asia, Middle East. He has convinced us that he's behind every leaf and we have believed him. And thereby he control all the world around him. The fear in India, the fear in uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, 
or the Philippines, where people are afraid of the unknown spirit world. But until we as Christians understand the worldview of folk Islam, the ministry to them will always be difficult. And that's why today, uh, in a very short story I wrote here about a West African. The West African came to the medical doctor from the West. He said, this man is sick because someone worked sorcery against him. The Western doctor turned to him and said, no, this man is sick from malaria because he was infected by a mosquito. And then the West African said, but who caused the sickness? Uh, uh, let me go back to that line again. This man is sick from malaria because he was infected by a mosquito. The West Africa said, yes, but who sent the mosquito? You see, West Africans, the question we ask when someone is sick is, what caused it? It's not what caused it, but who caused it? And these are some of the things we'll be studying. And I'm hoping and praying that after studying this lesson, you should be able to do the following things to compose a brief definition of folk Islam. Not just that, but to demonstrate the need to study folk Islam in the context of Muslim evangelism in the two-thirds world. worlds. To list and explain each of the steps involved in developing an adequate resource for the study of folk Islam along with Sufism for the, for the evangelical church, be it Africa, or the Middle East, a broader understanding of spiritual warfare in relation to folk Islam and evangelism, the role of the Quran and the Hadith in the practice of folk Islam, some status questions, state and explain eight facets of the definition of popular Islam or what we consider folk Islam, explain why 70% of Muslims in the world adhere to folk Islam. Identify the potential sources for folk Islamic doctrine. Explain why this question is important for our studies. Describe the process and practices of folk Islam and illustrate how it should be done. How does our understanding of folk Islam affect our prayer life today as Christians? What does this mean for our witness among folk Muslims? Those will be some of the questions we'll be trying to answer as we go through this lesson. Folk Islam, also called popular Islam. Islam has an what, animistic worldview that means God is everything and everything is God. About 70% of all Muslims are influenced by a system we call folk Islam. Let us work out some definition here. Folk Islam may be defined as the world of Islam that operates apart the strict orthodox teachings of Islam and center primarily around efforts to appease and manipulate demonic uh, ancestries and the living there. Let us come on that definition a little bit. Uh, when we talk about trying to appease at times when you're farming and your crops doesn't grow, you want to appease the unknown spirit because you believe that that has been affected by them. At times your child is sick and we will go through that as we go through the lessons, but as we camp on this definition a little bit. 
They want to appease the living dead, those relatives, those family members that have died and gone ahead. They are now living in the spirit room. And so you contact them in order to help you, uh, for them to help you, appease you, or for your wife to get pregnant, or for you to have good luck, and what have you. So these are the words of folk Muslims all around the world. Unless the folkness, let me read that slowly. Unless the folkness of Islam is understood by students of Islam, be it missionaries or missiologists, our witness to the Muslim people will always meet a roadblock. Samuel Zuman, the apostle to Islam, understood the importance of understanding the worldview of folk Islam when he wrote, the student of Islam, will never understand the common people unless he knows the reasons for their curious beliefs and practices, all of which still blind and oppress mind and heart with constant fear of the unseen, be it witchcraft, sorcery, spells, charms at the background of the native Muslim psychology to the extent that is realized only by those who have penetrated most deeply into the life of the people. Let us spend some time on that. I'm looking to the note here. First of all, he said the student or the missionary, unless we understand our worldview, we cannot communicate. Someone have said, I think it's a Zambian proverb that said that you cannot befriend a leper and at the same time shine their handshake. Let's keep that in mind. Bill Moles in his book, The Unseen Phase of Islam, has vividly described this phenomenon when he wrote, popular Islam or folk Islam has added a whole life way of animistic beliefs and practices. The use of rosary for divining and healing, the use of amulets, tailsmen's, the use of hair, cut, uh, hair cuttings and nail trimmings, the belief and practice of sin worship, the use of charms, nuts, magic, sorcery, the exorcism of demons, the practice of tree and stone worship, cursing and blessing, these and many other animistic practices belied the gap between the theological religion and the actual religion. Phil Parshall in his book, Bridges to Islam. Let us camp on these key words that we just defined, rosary for divining and healing. These rosary Muslims carry them around uh, as they pray and some even use them for the 99 names of God. As you flip through those rosary, you're calling the name of God for protection over your children, over your crops, over your family, over everything else that you have in your house, your home, your wife, your children, your family, the extended family, especially the nomadic people of, of Ethiopia, of Somalia, of Eritrea, of Niger, Nigeria, northern, especially northern Nigeria, part of Ghana, part of Egypt. These people, as they move in the bushes, as they carry a cattle up and down, they are saying words of protection 
and using these rosary to do that. The amulets, some carry them around their wrists, some around their waist, some around their neck, and all these places, they carry them for protection. Why? Because the fear of the unknown spirit world. This spirit world have influenced mass majority of Muslims everywhere, be it Cairo to Cape Town, uh, Addis Ababa to Argentina, Argentina to Ivory Coast, all these places, people wear these things around the neck of children, grown-ups, pregnant women. In fact, it is believed in some countries, especially Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, uh, Yemen, and Egypt, when women are pregnant in the first three months, they are even afraid to tell their husbands and will come to that concerning the evil eyes because when people hear the news in terms of envy and jealousy, they may lose the pregnancy. Therefore, they will not tell. Talesmen, all of that is wearing around the neck, the body, um, uh, that the fear that a nightmare might sleep with your wife and because of that, lose the pregnancy. So they use that to, to protect themselves. The use of hair uh, or hair cuttings. In fact, in part of West Africa, especially where I'm from, women will not braid their hair outside, fear that someone might take uh, some of the hair and put a curse on them, and that curse could ruin their lives. So these are the fear that these folk Muslims live in. So as Christian missionaries, as Christian workers, we need to understand, like Samuel's women, uh, definition we gave, we need to understand the fear of these men and women in this folk religion. Without an understanding of that worldview, it is almost impossible for us to break through that power that is holding them from hearing and seeing Jesus Christ. Nail trimmings, you will not believe this one. I've experienced that even up to this age, since I was maybe about 10. I never cut my nails, I feast on them. The fear that when I cut my nails, those nails will drop somewhere. Someone will pick them up and pick them up and put a curse on me. And therefore, I eat them. And a lot of Muslims, young men and women, all over the Middle East, do these things in terms of eating and cutting their nails. And then the next believe it, they believe in practice of sin worship. I was in Ethiopia. There's a town called Hara in eastern Ethiopia. I went there where the tombs were uh, of sins who have died and gone. Muslim women will go there who cannot get pregnant, praying to these sins. Uh, these sins were what? Help them open their wombs so they can have children. People who are sick will go to these tombs to worship the sins, asking for blessings, and will come to the meaning of blessings as we go through this lesson. Blessings for farming, blessing for having children, blessing for having many wives, blessing for protection, blessing for every kind of sickness. And so these sins, in fact, it, uh, somewhere they call a uh, ballet in Ethiopia, uh, they will go there and leave a marker around the sin's grave uh, that somehow and somewhere that sin will see the cloth or whatever object they left there, they will be able 
uh, that sin will be able to remember that they bend there and they will be blessed. Another thing is the use of stone worship. That is done a lot in East Africa or the eastern part of Africa, part of Central Africa, Nigeria. People go to stones and worship and not just worship at the stone, but also make sacrifices, kill sheep, uh, some will kill cow, some will kill goat, depending on the severity of uh, the problem you are faced with. You'll go ahead, eat a sheep. It has to be white. In West Africa, it is called kola nuts. You leave kola nuts at the stone of worship. And not that they are worshiping the stone itself, but that stone somehow possessed the spirits of the dead relatives. So they're not just speaking to a dead stone, but that the family members that are dead and gone has taken residence either in a tree or in a stone or at a river or at a mountains. So all of this, why are we telling you this about Islam? Because Christians need to understand, need to understand the worldview of these 70% of Islam that they worship to these things. Cursing and blessings. Uh, when you read the Psalms or you read Deuteronomy, they fear that someone go, going to put a curse on you. In fact, in Ethiopia, we live in Ethiopia, so a lot of the example will be coming from that part of the world. In Ethiopia, even among Christians, they fear that a leader is going to put a curse on you and that curse will bring you bad luck. People are afraid. They want blessings and they will do everything to receive blessings. Corona, twin spirit created when a child is born and attached to the child for life. Let me explain that a little bit. In West Africa, in around the Middle East, mainly North Africa, in East Africa, there's a belief that when the child is born, there's a playmate. God sent a playmate. That playmate can either be bad or good, depending on what we the living do to appease. Uh, that spirit, that twin spirit. For folk, Islam is a stand that runs throughout the Islamic world. It is the Islam of the common people. Contrast between folk Islam and Sufi Islam. We're going to look at our contrast. And this is where, again, let me pause here and just warn you as a Christian worker, uh, without an understanding of the spirit world, uh, everything that we have discussed uh, be it the wearing of rosary or the use of nail trimmings or hair cutting. All of these we need to understand and not undermine them because they are doing this. It might look so simple to the Western eyes. It might look so simple to those who have lived and grown up in a scientific worldview. This might make no sense, but understand that the Bible also speaks about these unknown spirit world. Um, let us understand that. Be a rain, the sun, the moon, the gods, the evil eyes, and what have you. Christians need to understand these kinds of worldview in order to minister faithfully to these men and women. Be it Sunni Islam, Shia Islam, or Sufi Islam that is very close to that of folk Muslim, or what I would call today modern, uh, the modern age or the new age in 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 America. Okay, where are we? Okay, I will leap over that and then we'll go to the origins of folk Islam. Let us look at some of the elements of pre-Islamic Arabia. 
some elements of pre-Islamic Arabian religions were incorporated in Islam. Example, believing jinn or spirit, pilgrimage, the kissing of the black stone that many Muslims, uh, when they go to Mecca today, uh, are doing. It is believed that in 16, in which Muhammad received his first revelation, when he went to his wife Khadija, he told his wife that he was demon-possessed, but it was a man in the house who was also a so-called Nestorian Christian, Waraka, who said, no, this is how the prophet of all received revelation. So you are not spirit-possessed. And that's how uh, Muhammad was calmed down, that he was not spirit-possessed. But a lot of these beliefs have been incorporated today in Islam. And in fact, a whole surah is attributed to the spirit world. Surah 72 talk about the jinns. And so everywhere, be it, especially Nigeria, Niger, Malay, uh, Malay meaning Timbatu, uh, in the area of Timbatu, nothing else but the practice in folk Islam and the fear of the unknown spirit world. The kissing of the black stone that people do today in Mecca when they go on the pilgrimage. Uh, that is so important, so ingrained for every Muslim that they can touch the black stone, kiss it, and, and, and be protected and be blessed by that. In fact, in Dhaka, Senegal, there's a place called Tuba. In Tuba, instead of going to Mecca, since they don't have the money to go to Mecca, to go to Tuba, where they, they have invented their own black stone, where they case the stones and worship the dead and sister spirit there. So these are some of the practices of folk Muslims.